You're listening to the Deeper Christian Bible Study Series on Ephesians. Thanks for joining me, Nathan Johnson, in an in-depth, verse-by-verse study of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Let's dive into the lesson for the day. Welcome to Lesson 15 of the Deeper Christian Bible Study Series in the book of Ephesians. Today we're going to continue our look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7 and 8, which says this, In Him we have redemption through His blood and the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. Last time we examined this idea of forgiveness and redemption. Now, forgiveness, again, is this idea of being pardoned from sin. It's a cancellation of debt, and it's, it's the removal of a penalty as if you've never committed the sin. And redemption gives this idea of being set free from captivity or slavery through the payment of a ransom. Get this. In Christ, we experience the incredible blessing of being forgiven of our sin and set free from the bondage and the power of sin. Isn't that incredible? So here we are as children of God. We can walk in freedom and victory. We can live as we ought. We can experience the triumphant Christian life, not through our own effort, our talent, our wisdom, or our ability, but it's because of the death and the life of Jesus Christ, which has now come to indwell our lives by the Holy Spirit. So Paul says in our passage that we experience this forgiveness and redemption in Jesus because of the riches of his grace, which he has lavished upon us. I love what D. Martin Lloyd-Jones says about Paul's use of this word grace. He writes this, This theme obviously filled the mind and the heart of this great apostle. It was something that ravished his heart. As Philip Doddridge assures us, grace was to him a charming sound, harmonious to the ear. It ravished Paul's heart and moved his entire being. He never mentions grace without going into some kind of ecstasy. The word always calls forth his superlatives. It had so gripped him and amazed him and moved him that he could scarcely control himself. I love this idea that the word grace in Paul's writings always calls for superlatives. Now, a superlative is one of my all-time favorite types of words. It is a word that expresses the highest quality of something. Uh, For example, uh, we say things like, that was awesome, or whoa, that was amazing. Yep. Awesome and amazing are both superlatives. I love superlatives. In fact, I love them so much that a few years ago, I began to make a list of some of my all-time favorites so I could, you know, begin to incorporate them in how I speak. And so I compiled a list of these in an article on my website, which you can find if you go to the show notes for this episode. But let me give you a few examples of my all-time favorite superlatives. So here we go. Astounding. Bodacious. Breathtaking. Delightful. Epic. Phantasmagorical. Glorious, gnarly, groovy, illustrious, incredible, marvelous, prodigious, snazzy, sensational, tubular. Now, obviously, some of these were dated. Uh, Before I was born, someone would say, whoa, that is so tubular. And eventually that turned into, whoa, that's rad or that's radical. Uh, When I was was a teenager, uh, the phrase was, dude, that's the bomb. And, And then that was the most popular superlative. Now, I'm not sure what's popular today, but I did have a student recently mention that in Chicago, the gang members were using the word church 
yo, that is church, <laughs> which I think is so hilarious because most of them had probably never been in the building. So, uh, but regardless, the next time someone asks you how your day is going, don't just say, ah, it's okay, or, oh, it's good. Those are horrible superlatives. See, make it interesting. Why don't you say something like, well, yeah, I'm delightful, or, whoa, it's phantasmagorical. Something better than good. Isn't it interesting that when talking about God's grace, even Paul couldn't constrain himself from using a superlative. Paul says that the riches of God's grace is rich. It's amazing. Or perhaps, as we would likely say today, it's amazing grace. And it truly is. It is God's grace that forgives our sins and it brings forth salvation in our lives. God's grace not just forgives and redeems and sets us free from the power of sin. His grace is the power in our lives to keep from sinning and to live the lives that we are called to live as believers. Oh, isn't that amazing? And if you want an entire list of the things that God's grace does in our lives, I encourage you to check out lesson 13 in the series where we look at Ephesians 1.6 and we talk specifically on the grace of God. Now, I want you to look back at verse 7 and 8 with me. Paul says this again. In him, we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. The word there for lavished, which is sometimes translated abound, it means to shower upon or to provide something in abundance. It's, it's to have more than enough. It's interesting that this word shows up a few dozen times throughout scripture, but let me give you a few examples so you can see how this word is used. For example, in Matthew 14, Jesus fed the 5,000 men besides women and children with these, you know, five loaves and these two fish. And in verse 15, it says that they ate all and were filled and they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments that remained. The word that remained is our word. See, they collected 12 baskets full of the broken pieces that had abounded. See, the, it, it, the 12 baskets full of that which had been provided enough of or lavishly provided or showered upon them. Again, that word is used in 2 Corinthians 9, 8, where Paul uses the word twice, which is translated abound. Paul writes this, God is able to make all grace abound towards you so that you always having enough of everything may abound to every good work. Grace has been lavishly poured out. It is more than enough so that you may abound. You, hey, you've been lavished. You have all that you need for every good work. So take that and come back to our passage. God's amazing grace has been lavishly poured out as seen through the cross. And that which was used to purchase forgiveness and redeem us or, our, or that re redemption price for our life from sin, death, and hell has been dumped. It's been lavished. It's, it's been abounded. You have been set free and now you can walk in victory. Why? Because God's grace has been, whoa. So how did, grace, how did God's grace come? Well, it was lavished or showered upon you. Have you ever been to Niagara Falls? Oh, it truly is a majestic sight to behold. The roar of the water is deafening. The intensity of the scene grips your heart. And if you walk out upon that lookout, the immensity of the water truly is breathtaking. And if you have a chance to take that boat tour, you know, and stand in the middle of all that mist, looking up at this enormous falls, it quickly becomes a grand memory. Well, 
I have a few fun statistics for you. And again, they're statistics, but just listen to this. This is so fascinating. The height of the falls is between 50 and 188 feet, depending on where you're at. And in terms of the amount of water, 681,000 gallons of water per second flow over the Horseshoe Falls portion of Niagara. And the water falls at 32 feet per second over the falls, hitting the base of the falls with over 2,500 tons of force at the Horseshoe Falls. So get this idea. Imagine standing at the base of the Niagara waterfalls with a cup in your hand and you thrust your cup into the falls, which <laughs> I realized would be impossible looking at those statistics. But hypothetically, if you could, imagine you take this cup and you, and you know, put it under the water. How quickly would your cup fill up? Well, I don't, I don't know, but with 680,000 gallons per second flowing over the falls, probably wouldn't take too long. In fact, you would have to conclude that your cup would be lavished upon. You would receive more than enough. Do you realize that, that this is how God operates? He always is sufficient. He is always more than enough. He is always abounding. When he created the universe, he didn't create just one color or paint everything the same way. He lavished color in millions of shades and varieties. When, when God redeems the world and showers forth his grace as a blessing in our lives, it's not some mere trickle of grace, but it is a waterfall of grace that makes Niagara look like a, well, like, like, like a kid's playground. When God gives his children life, Jesus says in John 10, 10, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come, says Jesus, that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. And that word abundant is the adverb form of our word. In other words, how does the life come? Whoa, it is lavished upon. It is abounding. It's just, it's a Niagaran version of life. Have you experienced that? Are you daily walking in the incredible reality of God's grace, truth, and life? For he is abundant. He continually operates and blesses us with more than enough. Would you freshly experience the grace of God in your life? Not just forgiveness and redemption, but experience the empowerment of God in your life via the Holy Spirit to live, to obey, and to triumph as a child of the King. For according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished on us, He gave Himself the fullness of grace. This indeed is a superlative waterfall of grace in our lives. And may we jump in with both feet. Oh. Well, next time we're going to look more at verses 7 and 8 and look at what does it mean for God to lavish upon us in all wisdom and insight. And if you'd like to saturate yourself in God's wisdom this week, I would encourage you to read the entire book of Proverbs. It really would be a rich study. And thanks for joining me as always for today's study. If you'd like to see an outline of this study or read a commentary version of this passage, you can do so by going to deeperchristian.com forward slash Ephesians 15 for lesson number 15. And you can also check out all the previous studies in Ephesians by visiting deeperchristian.com forward slash Ephesians. And until next time, know I am cheering you on as you build your life around the one who has lavished himself upon you, Jesus Christ. See you then. Thank you for listening to this study from the book of Ephesians with Nathan Johnson. If you would like additional resources to help you build your life around Jesus Christ, I encourage you to check out my website at deeperchristian.com. 
This podcast is the audio version taken from my video series in Ephesians. And if you would like to view the video version of this study, you can do so at deeperchristian.com forward slash Ephesians.